so many people are waking up early on a Saturday morning via the airwaves of WBT Radio. If you're not listening to the Carolina Outdoors via podcast, wherever you download your podcast, either which way, we're glad that you're listening to us. Wes Lawson on the right hand of your radio dial. Bill, it is good to be here. Let's talk about fishing, shall we? Well, you know what? I'm glad people who listen to the program regularly hear you and I talking about fishing, cheering on fishing, encouraging people to get a fly rod, uh, head out to our North Carolina mountains, our Carolina coast, or anywhere in between. We do that constantly on the program, but sometimes it's great for us to get a different perspective. Mm -hmm. And uh, our next guest is someone who has not only lived all over the United States, whether it be East Tennessee, Bozeman, Montana, maybe uh, Middle Tennessee, and other places. But he's a person who's fished these places. He is a retired uh, professional bass angler, and he's going to come onto the program and give us kind of a, a lay of the land, if you will, or maybe a lay, lay of the lake, Ooh. if you will, because He's not only uh, outfitting uh, fly shops across the southeast, but he is also um, in conventional tackle shops quite a bit because he loves to fish. And he's going to let us know how we can catch more fish out there as we're backing up our bass boats on a Saturday morning on our area lakes. Let's welcome from Southeast Trading Company, Chris Hart. Chris, welcome to the Carolina Outdoors. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Man, you're traveling the southeast and seeing dealers and going into fly shops and tackle shops and marinas. You're doing all of that. So for our listeners out there in the Carolina outdoor world, um, tell us kind of a state of the fishing business, if you will. You know, uh, Bill, the, the fishing business is is strong and healthy right now. We've got a lot of interest in in fishing, angling, uh, just being outdoors boating, pretty much uh, any way people can get out and enjoy the uh, the outdoors these days seems to be a very popular thing to do. And, uh, you know, we've got, with the whole COVID thing, we've had some, some product shortages and some supply chain issues out of, uh, you know, coming from product that comes from overseas, as much as, uh, you know, product also that's built in the United States, just the raw materials to build that stuff. So uh, we've had to have a lot of patience, but uh, our stores are chasing stuff down and, and finding product, and we're actually able now to kind of uh, kind of see a little light at the end of the tunnel there. But uh, if you see it, you better buy it because it might not be there next time you show up at the store. Well, one of your lead companies is Sims Fishing, and of course at Jesse Brown's, we've got a house full of Sims in there for people who want to either go to jessebrowns.com and check it out, but even better, show up in the store. But I know you've talked to some marinas out there and more conventional tackle shops. What is that challenge? Are they able to get product? Are they getting their shelves back filled in? Or does it look like it's going to be a, a maintained problem throughout the summer and even early fall? Yeah, you know, I, I think that everybody wishes we could kind of just wave a magic wand and, and make this stuff appear out of uh, out of nowhere. But I, I think I think that the issues are, are are slowly improving. I think that we'll see it kind of be a gradual improvement. I don't I don't see it just fixing itself in a few weeks. Uh, the the problems from shutting down all kinds of manufacturing and stuff and 
that type of that type of thing. Uh, you know, we can't just recover from that overnight. So I think that uh, I think that that consumers are going to see stuff becoming more more like it used to be with products, you know, being readily available here in the next uh, in the next six months to a year. I think that we'll see great improvements. I think it's going to happen slowly, though. That's good to hear because I'm looking at some some information here from the North Carolina Department of Wildlife. They had a 20% increase in license fishing license sales for 2020-2021, but one part that really stands out, our Unified Inland Fishing and Coastal Recreation Fishing License, which is kind of your do-it-all fishing license, increased sales by 94%. Which is incredible, and hopefully that means you know not, not only that people are going to go out there and go fishing, but, but that we're also going to help maintain those fisheries. Reasonably speaking, though, how, do, how is the fishing industry going to keep up with that kind of demand? <laughs> I, th- I think that uh, you know that everybody that when we when we talk about the product shortages, uh, you know, that people are experiencing in stores and, and other businesses are experiencing right now. It's pretty easy to just kind of blame everything on COVID and stuff was shut down. But, you know, in reality, there's a there's a whole new hurdle or obstacle for these manufacturers to figure out, which is how to also not only deal with product shortages, but how to also plan in the future for uh, for, you know, the the increased uh, visibility and popularity of actually being on the water and doing it. And, uh, you know, I think I think that, uh, that that that's kind of the riddle that everybody's trying to solve right now. And I. I think we're we're uh, you know with with success uh, breeds more success. So I believe that the companies in general are, are starting to you know get it all get it all dialed in. And once we get these product shortages, it seems like uh, kind of behind us. It seems like we, uh, we you know we've got a pretty clear path ahead to to success and being able to supply everybody with everything they need to be outside or on the water. We know it's interesting that you say that because I feel like for so many of us a a figure in our lives, maybe it was a dad or an uncle or a grandfather, was somebody who always had a rod and a reel and a tackle box close by, even if it was a little dusty. Um, but that person was, you know, who got us on the water. But then there was a, a big decrease. A lot of folks kind of stopped going fishing. And now that we're back, what do you feel like the, the fishing industry, which includes, you know, retailers like Jesse Brown's Outdoors, What's going to happen to keep this interest going? And obviously, there's going to be a little bit of a de- of a decline. But what what's on the forecast for keeping these new anglers and their families engaged? You know, I think that when when I talk to when I talk to the stores and, and people that are involved in the angling business and the boating business, it, it seems to me like like you know there were some there were some real blessings in disguise with COVID, which one was a lot of people spent more time with family. A lot of people had a little bit more time to spend with their family than uh, maybe in a, in a normal year. So hopefully, you know, I think that it, it kind of set people on the path of, uh, of you know, really kind of coming back to the family activity thing. And, you know, they say, like, the, uh, the idea of if you, if you want somebody to, to stop doing something, make them do a whole lot of it, and then they'll get bored of it. I think that, you know, if you look at, you know, whether it's kids these days playing video games at home or, or watching TV or anything like that, you know, if you're home alone for a long time and that's all you have to do, you eventually get kind of tired of it. So I, I think we have a whole new, you know, uh, a whole new breed of, uh, of outdoors people, hopefully coming from this, that can help be good stewards for it in the future. Because as, you know, the population of the world increases, we need, we need people to be involved with the outdoors and to uh, 
to basically, you know, be good stewards of that stuff. We're the outdoor guys from Jesse Brown's here on the Carolina Outdoors. Our guest is Chris Hart. He is our Sims fishing rep at Jesse Brown's through his business, Southeast Trading Company. We did it in the intro that he has lived and fished all over the United States and then some. And Chris, um, I introduced you also as a professional bass fisherman, but you gave up a life on the road to take up a life on the road. Um, as a as from a fisherman to a to a representative of fine fishing products, I'm going to get you to put on your professional bass fishing hat. For a lot of people who are listening to the Carolina Outdoors, they are going to our area lakes. The Carolinas are filled with great fishing lakes. They're they're backing their boats up in there, uh, all over the place. Or maybe they have a favorite neighborhood pond or lake, or or maybe a farm pond or so. Can you give us advice? Here we are heading into midsummer almost. We're getting close to July. I'm doing it via the calendar year. (laughs) Can you give us advice on how to uh, catch more fish and the success that we're going to have out there wherever we may be warm water fishing? Sure thing, guys. You know, um, when, when I was on the lakes all the time fishing, you know, 200 plus days a year. The one thing that I always noticed about guys in their bass boats was would be that the, they'd be fishing the same same boat docks, the same uh, same banks, the same everything that they do in the spring of the year, or even in the winter, um, in just kind of you know known as is their favorite fishing holes. But what we have to remember about uh, most warm water species in the summertime is that they really kind of change your behavior in the places where you're fishing for them in the uh, in the spring. And uh, early summer might not be the places that they're at right now. So two things that warm water fish really like to do in the summertime when the water temperatures kind of climb is they like to suspend in the water column. So lots of uh, swim bait presentations, uh, you know, stuff that's moving through the water column horizontally tends to kind of be the best search bait to try and find at what level in the lake those fish are suspending in. So... uh, you can still fish things like boat docks in banks. Just make sure that um, some of them have some depth to them and that fish are, fish are able to move up and down in the water column a little bit easier in those areas. What about finding structure? Is that important in the summer, um, whatever that means, if it's uh, uh, different uh, textures uh, underwater, underneath the water that we can find, or maybe it is man-made structures that have been put in the water absolutely i mean you know structure always holds fish but you know the real key that i've found in success to finding fish is to find structure that also has another um if you will uh, what we like to call in the in the bass tournament world a pattern within a pattern which is where you find structure that also has something else to it that will make those fish uh be on that particular structure and what i mean by that is for instance if you find structure you find a good rocky ledge if it's got some current or even some boat traffic near it that's creating current in the middle of the summer uh you know sometimes those areas will be the places where those fish will really go in and and stage up and and feed and you know another thing to consider in the summertime is those fish they they will suspend in the middle of the day and then they they tend to feed at, at more specific feeding times and uh so you really have to do something to kind of get their attention 
and uh, finding that structure, finding, you know, kind of the pattern within the pattern and something else, whether it's grass and structure, you know, or grass is your structure mixed with a little bit of rock or something like that. You know, so I, I like I like to have two out of three, um, two out of three things going my way. So current structure and uh, finding what level the fish are feeding at is really the most important thing in the summer. And so along those lines, we have a lot of folks who come in asking either for this particular product for a fly rod or for conventional tackle, but they want to know how to fish a popper. How do you use a popping bug? And sometimes, why is it not working? Can you illuminate that topic for us just a little bit? Absolutely. You know, um, a, a popper, a lot of, a lot of times, you know, in our, especially in the southeast here, our lakes aren't always clear. Um, so, you know, fish, especially bass, largemouth and smallmouth bass, feed a lot off of their lateral line especially if they, if they can't use their eyes quite as much. So a popper is just a great pattern in general to imitate a, you know, a, a wounded bait fish or a frog that's, uh, that's swimming across the surface or maybe in distress. So a popper really brings the fish to look at it, and it's, a, it's kind of a surface fly, if you will. Um, like if you're talking about a fly fishing type popper, there's all kinds of different ones. There's ones that dive a little bit. There's ones that have really scooped faces on them that make a ton of noise when you chug them. And essentially what you're doing is you're creating the ruckus and getting a fish's attention with its lateral line from a little bit farther away maybe than they can see the bug, which is kind of bringing them. It's almost like ringing the dinner bell. And uh, one thing I love to do in the summertime when I'm fishing poppers, is, especially with a fly rod, is I like to use kind of a neutral buoyancy bait fish fly behind the popper, actually tie that a couple, three feet off the uh, off the bend of the hook on fluorocarbon uh leader material or line that allows it to kind of sink and then when you're popping the popper you'll actually have the bait fish twitching underneath so you can use the popper to kind of attract the fish and then if they want to attack the topwater fly they can do that but uh if if they're a little bit more reluctant to do that they have a bait fish that's acting very erratically right in front of them so that can be a really successful uh technique in the summertime as well you know bass don't always get the um recognition they deserve as apex predators and being the uh, sort of sensory overlords that they are. You mentioned lateral line twice, and listeners, if you don't know what that is, if you look closely on a fish, it looks like a series of almost connected dots along about the midpoint of the body, and it runs from almost the gills, almost the tail, and it functions much like a cat's whiskers. It allows them to, to take in their environment because we do have these these waters that are rich in tannins and they're murky and it's hard to see. And it really is one of the ways that, that bass and so many other species of fish really can hone in on dinner. It's a fascinating thing, but bass really are a tricky fish sometimes. And so if you are fishing poppers, Chris has some good ideas there. Of course, you know, the call we get a lot at the store is, uh, do you sell worms and other live bait? When is that the right thing to use and when is it not? You know, like... <laughs> Live bait, live bait is one of those things that the fish are always eating those particular things, and it's it's hard to to fool a fish with anything other than what Mother Nature gives them. So, I mean, bait is bait is always an attractive thing for for a fish to eat, and a lot of times, you know, that's why certain sections of a uh, of river, if you will, or certain areas, you're you're not allowed to use live bait. But live bait is absolutely effective year round, pretty much any time of the year. But what you'll find in the summertime, I see a lot of guys that are fishing bait. And, and really, you know, I kind of touched on it earlier. Really, the level in the lake that the fish are at 
where where they're feeding is really the key. So most of the time, if you can find at what level the fish are at, whether you're throwing live bait, uh, artificial bait, squies, anything like that, if you're putting the fly right in the wheelhouse or the the lure right in the wheelhouse of where the fish are feeding, then you can really uh, have some success. But you can also go out with uh, with live bait and throw it into uh, you know throw it into 20 feet of water when you have a an oxygen depleted thermocline at the bottom of the lake and uh and and not get a bite all day long so it's not the cure-all but it's hard to beat mother nature's actual representation of what those fish are eating this question is going to go back to your professional bass days you had years of success um in in professional bass fishing doing those tournaments those sorts of things and there's a lot of parity um in that sport just like there is these days in professional tennis um, professional golf, professional wrestling, that parody is there along the way. Is there any one secret that separates the top-tier anglers that are on on tour with professional fishing these days that the others don't have? You know, absolutely. Uh, it, it, I kind of liken it to the professional golf world in a way of, of you know, the guys who are who are in the best shape and who uh, who take it the most seriously and who put the work in are really the ones that are consistently successful. And uh, anybody who's out there who's willing to put that work in and put the time in on the water to, uh, you know, to really be in touch with what the fish are doing uh, can be one of the most successful guys out there. That's for sure. Uh, you know, we, we actually just had uh, Hank Cherry, who is a uh, North Carolina guy, just won the Bassmaster Classic. Uh, for the second year in a row, back-to-back winner. Uh, first guy, or I shouldn't say first guy, the, the last guy to do it was Jordan Lee about five or six years ago, and I believe he was the only back-to-back winner that the, that the Bassmaster Classic had ever had. So, you know, Hank is a is a Carolina boy, and he uh, he, he I, I've watched him really work hard coming up through the ranks over the years, and uh, so good on him for being able to win the Classic this year, and but, uh, that, you know, that all comes with just hard work and a lot of time on the water. Really, you know, I, I'd like to say it's more than that, but just like anything else in life, it's, it's just however much you put into it, it's what you're going to get out of it. We have so many awesome places to fish here in the Carolinas. You're traveling all over the United States to this day, whether it be business or pleasure. Where's your favorite place to fish? Oh, that's that, I can't tell you that. <laughs> you're going to hold it. It's too political. That's because you compared him to professional wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, I, I, I really honestly don't have a single single favorite place to fish. I, you know, I, I love fishing for, for tarpon. I like fishing in the salt water. I like fishing with the fly rod. But I equally as much love uh, love going out on the lake in my bass boat and uh, flipping jigs with a bait casting rod for, for big, large mouth. I, I love crappie fishing with my kids. I mean, I, I really honestly love all types of fishing. So I don't really have one favorite. Uh, my favorite is whichever one I'm doing that day. Let, let me give you a more of a layup. What's your favorite wader if you're going to go fishing? Oh, without a doubt, Sims. <laughs> there you go. Chris Hart, our Sims rep at Jesse Brown's through his business, Southeast Trading Company, also retired professional bass fisherman, Thank you for spending time with Wes Lawson and Bill Barty here on the Carolina Outdoors. Hey, guys, thanks for having me. It was a blast, and uh, keep, uh, keep your rod tips up and your lines tight.
You heard it right there from him. Off he goes, Chris Hart. And we're going to take a quick break here and wrap up the Carolina Outdoors. He's Wes Lawson. I'm Bill Barty. We're the Outdoor Guys from Jesse Brown's. <laughs> 